episode 69, Stratagem. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The Games We Play with Brian and Chris. And welcome back to The Games We Play, a podcast about board games, tabletop RPGs, but always about the games we play. I'm your host, Brian, and this week with me is my lovely wife, Emily. I'm Emily. Thanks, Emily, for joining as our co-host this week. This is episode 69 of The Games We Play. This week, we will be talking about the, some of the board games we played. We actually have a couple new ones uh, we're going to be talking about, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and that's basically all we're talking about this week. A nice, short, and sweet episode. Uh, this week's been a little crazy for the both of us. Uh, our, our family kind of came upon sickness over the last few days. Not the coronavirus. Not the coronavirus. <laughs> Thank some other, Some other sickness. Some I, other um, loveliness. But um, we're all recovering, so we've just been kind of under under the weather. So this is going to be a nice, quick episode for you all. But I, we do appreciate you listening nonetheless. Uh, hopefully, you find a game you enjoy or a game that you want to check out. That's our, our goal. Or maybe a game for you to avoid. We'll see. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. It depends on your stance on sand timers. Oh boy. <laughs> well, we'll get into the sand timer topic. That's for sure. Oh, it's come back. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so um, if you, this, if you're a first time listener, uh, we do appreciate listening on this podcast. We just kind of talk about the board games that we've been playing, anything we're interested in. And we just talk through the games, kind of hit on what our thoughts were, what we liked about them, didn't like that kind of thing. Uh, give you a chance to check it out or kind of hear about it. All right, so to start off the episode, though, Emily, so how are your gaming goals going for the year? They're going okay. I thought I'd play more games this week, but, you know, things happen. So I am at 181 games played, and 79 of those are unique. Very nice. You're almost there, aren't you? I am. My goal is 200. So I wanted to play a few more in August, but alas, we've found the end of the month and i am not at my goal yet so well we'll get it hopefully in september well we do have some good friends of ours that are visiting out of town they're staying with us for the weekend and uh in a couple weeks yes i'm talking about september yes and they do enjoy playing board games so i cannot wait i'm so excited i have a good feeling we'll get a few in i think so hopefully i yeah knowing them it sounds to me like they're okay with just staying home all weekend, ordering takeout, and playing games. It's the dream right it there. It is the dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I'm up to, I think, 223, if I recall. And, I, you know, I don't even, I didn't even check how many unique games. I did get two new games in this week, so that, that did go up. So I'm readily approaching that 100, 250 games for the year. This last month has been kind of slower, I think, for the both of us. Uh, maybe a little burnout, also changing from summer to the fall. And if you're like us, we had a child go off to school and try to navigate the whole hybrid oh, craziness that's going on and trying it's to figure insane. out what's going on. With a first grader of all things. So <laughs> at least it's not a kindergartner. I couldn't even imagine doing this uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, first grade's a little, I mean, it's not as bad as kindergarten but man 
even first grade, it, they're still so young to be doing that thing. <laughs> doing I just those. think that any option you choose, whether it's 100% virtual, hybrid, full-time, whatever, going back to school this year is about ready to send all parents over the edge. <laughs> it is so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. For sure. <laughs> I'm sure some people can relate out there. I think so. And or is birth control. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of episode 69, all right, so let's go ahead and get into the games we played for the last week or two. So, Emily, what is a game that you played that you want to talk about? Yes, you introduced me to Gizmos. Oh, that's right. Yes, we did play Which this. is your favorite engine building game. Yeah, I would say it's one of my favorite engine building games. Which it's, hard, it's, it's hard to say, like, use the word favorite because you just, you know, I don't know. But if someone came up to you and said, best engine building game, what would you say? I would say one of my favorite <laughs> games is Gizmos. Would, no, you have to choose one. I, it's, it's hard to use ult, like ultimatums or like absolutes because everything changes. But Gizmos is one of my top, one of my top engine building games. I just I, there's something about it I really like. But so, you you hadn't played it though. As much as you go on and on about this game, I'm shocked I hadn't played it until now. Well, it'd been sitting at work for right. probably two years since I got the game. Basically, yes. So you introduced me to it. In hindsight, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it because I'm sure since it's one of your favorite games, you're like a master at it. Oh, brother. I don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know. But I mean, I did slaughter you pretty bad on (laughs) it. Yes. I was going to say, you beat the socks off of me. So it's kind of hard when you get slaughtered to like a game. Oh, so you have to win a game to like it? No, I'm not saying saying? win. I'm just saying have a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I can I can understand that. We actually we actually did review this game, by the way. So if you want to go back and hear some of our thoughts on it, possibly we did um, review this game back on episode 25, I believe Uh, Chris and I did. So you can check that out if you want to hear a little more about the game. But um. Was it just that th- there were so many... It's not a lot of moving parts, per se. It's just trying no. to get the feel of what's good or what's yeah, not good. I I feel like I've realized too late what I should have gone for, and then... Or the combos that you should have And then you getting. basically had ran away with the game when I <laughs> once I realized my mistakes. <laughs> I, I did have a pretty gross engine going this time. Um, I, I did try something a little different than I, than I normally do, and it worked out fairly well i i think i mean i obviously obviously (laughs) but i i never so let me back up so if you haven't heard of this game i'll just just a quick overview uh gizmos is this game where i think the unique thing about it is you have this hopper um i believe the newest second edition has it's fully plastic i think the first edition is cardboard but there's this hopper device thing that sits in the middle of the table and it holds marbles and the marbles then come out on what is it, like a track would you say what would you describe that emily yeah a track it's like a dispenser a it's dispenser. like a marble dispenser right and you can see six marbles out the out the chute if you will and you have your little play area and really on your turn you just get one action and there's four or five various actions and it's it's a lot like Splendor where there's a like a marketplace where there's all these cards out um, and they're the small square cards just like Splendor. And the idea here is you're going to spend marbles or energy 
to buy these cards because the cards have a certain value on them. And what the cards do is they augment your actions, i.e., you buy it and you put it under your action column. You have this little cardboard thingy. And when you take the action, it could trigger that card or any cards on it because you can stack as many cards as you would like. It, it triggers it when you take the action. So, for example, one of the actions is pick a marble. And the cards that go under pick would be, hey, if you pick a yellow marble, then you get to do this extra thing. And what's really cool is you can stack them. So you could have a pick a yellow marble allows you to pick any marble from the track, which then maybe you pick a red marble and that activates another card that you had that says if you pick a red marble and so on and so forth. So you can kind of get my gist here. There's also cards that augment your abilities or give you extra marble storage or they give you extra converters, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of options with this game because it's all kind of card based and all around those marbles, which you're trying to get as many marbles, and these cards give you victory points, and you're trying to get up to the last tier, which have the most expensive cards, but they give you a lot of points. So when I played the game this time, I tried to come up with kind of a different strategy, and I had never had it before where I could, I think, how many marbles could I store? 12, 15, something? Something like that. Something silly. Something I've never hit that before. Yeah, so I, I got a bunch of those cards that upgraded my capacity for marbles. Normally, you can only have five marbles from the beginning. I think I, think I, I had 11, though. I yeah, you, 11. Got, you got up towards the end. Um, I think I got up to 15, but I had this really gross combo that if I built yellow cards, I just got... I think I got I maxed out my marble count every time I built a yellow card. And then I got these two uh, tier three cards that gave me points based on how many marbles I had at the end of the game. And it, it yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. It was a lot of fun. But <laughs> but it, it is a little difficult, though. You get thrown into this because you have a lot of options and there's no obvious way on how you go. And I think that was one of the critiques that uh, Chris and I gave back on the review is that there is a lot of endless options and you can make a lot of those options work for you and can win with it. But if you don't maximize the benefit of those abilities and you just kind of try a little of everything and they don't, you don't get it like a good engine going, you get pretty much too far behind and there's no way to catch up. And that's a little tricky to introduce uh, a game to somebody where you played it a lot and they haven't, it, it's a, it's, it's tough. There's a learning curve, I'd say, to it. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I did really like the comboing bonus aspect of it, where it kind of reminded me of Gonchon Clever. Like, you do this, and then you get to take you get this those action. Combos. Then, yes, I love, combo, combo, I love that in, in the game. Yeah, it, so that, that that's fun. the most satisfying part when you're like, yes. ooh, then I get to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And, and that's why I want to play it again to... Yes. Because obviously the second time around I would get more of those. Yeah, you you would know I where would the value see is. That, yeah. yeah, that's that's why it's tough to introduce this uh this game to somebody who hasn't played it and you've played a lot. Um it can be kind of overwhelming. There's a lot of options and pretty pretty much all the options are valid. It's just you kind of have to stick with the theme. My theme is going to be building and filing cards or uh, picking marbles out and expanding my storage, that kind of thing. You kind of have to go all in on one part of those upgrades to be successful. You can't j just try to do everything. Mm -hmm. yes. but, over but overall, 
You can see why I like it, though, right? With all the oh, yeah. comboing. It's very satisfying when Definitely. you get to the end of the game when you're able to do a lot of things with one action. Yes, that is amazing. I think that's a good hallmark of a a engine building game. Did you now? Did you feel that it ended too early or too late? I.e., were you able? Do you feel like the engine got to a point where oh. you got to you got to experience it, or do Let you feel me just it built, tell you, went off too early? I was ready to have this amazing turn in in two turns. I was gonna have this amazing turn, and then Brian just shut the game down, <laughs> shut it down, <laughs> and I missed it. <laughs> But you had some good turns. No, I did. I did. The problem with some of those engine building games is you get going and then it never allows you to use that engine fully. You're like, this thing's going to be awesome. I did feel like it ended just a little bit too early, Mm. but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, we should we should play it again. um, See how it goes the second time. Now that you know what's going on. I also I realized I have these promo cards here sitting on my desk that when I was going through and cleaning up some of my stuff from Gen Con. I realized I have these promo cards I got, and we've never used them. Oh, so yeah, we, we might should have to th- use those. We, ha- we should throw these in next time we play. The should be fun. Yes. So Gizmos overall, pretty good. You want to try yeah. again? Yeah, I would definitely play it again. Yeah, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Neat concept. Something that really is pretty unique. With and not only the marbles, but that dispenser, and it's really cool. And maybe it's because I'm newer to the hobby, but I feel like I don't really hear about this game a whole lot. No, this is a game that's it's really hit, underrated. It's a hidden gem. It is a hidden gem. It just came under the radar. I remember even at Gen Con, it, I, I don't even remember it being talked about. It was from Simon Games, um, which is a pretty big publisher, and they, they have a lot of decent games that come out. This one just came completely on the radar, and I rarely hear anybody talk about this, but this is a really solid very solid engine building game. I would kind of equate it to Splendor. Kind of feels like Splendor a little bit. Mm, I could see that. But better. <laughs> More <laughs> options. I mean, really, Gizmos overall on BGG is 49th in family overall. I don't think we've played Splendor yet this year. Yeah, we might too, just be, to get to our yeah. unique games. But you you get my point. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, it's a 40 to 50 minute game, two to four players. Yeah. It plays well at two, plays really well at four. It, it just, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good yes. game. Solid if you game. like Splendor, you might like this game. Yep. Kind of gives you the same feeling, but mm-hmm. with more, uh, gives you a little more freedom yeah. to play. So really like the game. We can talk about it, but if you want to hear our full thoughts, not that we just talked about for five minutes um, or 10 minutes, uh, go back and listen to episode 25. Chris and I talk about it a little more in depth. Cool. Yeah. So I'm glad you enjoyed that game. Yeah. What have you played this week? So um we'll talk about we're gonna talk about Pendulum. Let's talk let's end on Pendulum. So another game I played this week was Divi Dice. I know we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast mm-hmm. as You um, had to play it? When I've been watching <laughs> What now? So um on Friday this is brand new Josh, Corey, and I played it over lunch <laughs> oh my on Tabletop Simulator. We played Divi Dice. <laughs> It was it was the German, so I couldn't find it in Divi Dice, so if you want to look for it, it's not under Divi Dice. You have to go look up the German name, which I'm not even going to try to butcher. Uh, just look it up on, on BoardGameGeek, but it, there, it was all in English, so I don't know. Anyway, we got to, we got to play it, and um, it was interesting. It wasn't necessarily what I thought it was. Mm. I mean, it was a little bit of it, but it definitely felt different than I thought it was going to be. That's how I... I haven't played it yet, but I did watch a review on the game, and I was 
disappointed. Yeah, that was Tom Vassell's review. And after playing, I'm not necessarily sure I agree with him. Oh, okay. Which is kind of weird. Traditionally in the past, listening to Tom Vassell on the Dice Tower, I usually agree, usually, Mm -hmm. with, with Tom and his feelings on games. But recently in some games, I don't know. We'll we'll get into a pendulum too. Cause, yeah. Uh, you watched that pendulum right. review too, and after we played, I'm like, I don't know. I, after watching his videos on those two games, pendulum and this one, I was like, well, should we even buy it? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he's. He, I don't know. Well, I don't know. It, either way, it doesn't matter. Divi Dice is is coming out in two weeks. Um, and you can pre-order on Game Nerds for like seventeen dollars, which. So this this is a seventeen dollar game we're talking about. For seventeen dollars, <laughs> this is a no brainer. Because even right. Corey was like, "What? When does this come out? How much is it?" Um, I think he really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> but let me tell you, <laughs> you can. Th- there is a little luck to it. Um, that's for sure. I mean, yes, it's a dice rolling game, but there's definitely some luck to it. Um, Josh, we all played it for the first time. Josh scored ninety something points. I scored eighteen. Whoa. <laughs> yes. And and Corey scored like 60 something. So huge range of scores oh for the my. first time we were playing. <laughs> yes. Um, I I would like to play it. I think I have a much better grasp on it, maybe a little more strategy. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the way Corey plays, where he'll just refute fuse the roll of the dice because it helps us, quote unquote. Um oh. and so that you know <laughs> oh, <a> classic. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um so it is a roll and write, uh, but the difference here is you don't have a score pad. So if you haven't played a roll and write, well, you probably have like Yahtzee, um, maybe Gonshan Clever, Twice as Clever, those kind of games, cartographers. You roll dice, you mark or write something on the sheet, and then it's the next person's turn. Same idea here, except for what you're trying to score are these cards. And they're, they kind of have that, they'll have that... Um, Dry erase. Yeah, that kind of glossy finish. finish. Yeah. yeah, so you'll actually mark on your cards and then dry, you know, erase them when you're done. And there's two types of cards in the decks. There's these bonus cards. What these bonus cards do is they give you um, extra benefits. So you can utilize them then later to manipulate your dice. There's things like change the dice value up or down, plus or minus. It'll give you a discount for, for buying other cards to the market. Um... There's ones that you can treat it like any color, stuff like that. Um, so they just manipulate the dice, but they don't give you victory points. But then there's the victory point cards that actually do give you victory points. And the victory points aren't just a static, oh, if you complete this, you get 20 points. No, they're conditional. So th- once you complete the card, it'll be uh, things like cards adjacent to it. Because the, these cards go into your play area in a nine, uh, three by three, like a nine card grid. And it'll be cards adjacent to it that are pink will give you eight points each. Or all your yellow cards will give you colors points. Or if you have one color of each card completed, it'll give you 20 points. Things like that. Kind so, of like Sagrada? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, kind of like Sagrada. That'll give you bonus points, basically, for completing sets. Mm-hmm. Or there's even, if you get three points for every row or column that you completed those cards, regardless mm-hmm. if it's bonus or whatever. There's ones that give you bonus points or car- gives you victory points for how many bonus type cards you have, stuff like that, which is really cool. Very customizable. It's going to be different every time you play. There's, I think there's only one or two of each. Some of the bonus cards are even 
um, wild, so they count as any color that you want, which is pretty cool. So it gives you a little flexibility at the end of the game. So these are the type of cards we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So to complete these cards, though, they have numbers or um, colors on them that, uh, that you have to fill in them from dice. So it might just be one, one, two, two, three, three, four, four. I had one that had four twos and four fives. There's ones that were this has to be greater than this, has to be greater than this, and some of those had certain colors or number combinations, kind of like Scrata. Mm -hmm. And you could only fill in orange numbers in here, or the, it might even be specific to the blue four has to be written here. That kind of stuff. And so once you complete out the card, the card's complete, and then you get to either take the bonus, or at the end of the game, you get the victory points because you completed it. So pretty cool um, so far, a little modular, a little different. What's different about it, though, is in most dice games, you, you re-roll like Yahtzee style. In this game, when you do that, any dice you re-roll, all your opponents get a chance to mark one of those numbers down that you rewrote or that you re-rolled. <laughs> so, for example, <laughs> I kept four dice because I really liked them and I rolled the, the blue die. Well, it happened to be a blue two and I didn't want it to be a blue two. Well, before I re-roll it, my opponents get to mark down that blue two nice. anywhere on one of their cards. Like and that. so this is where I was talking about where Corey's like, well, you know, it, it would help you guys too much to re-roll. I'll just go ahead and take this. <laughs> he would do that all the time so we wouldn't get yeah. extra dice. Nice. Well, the tricky thing on your turn, though, is you can only take the dice and mark off a card if you complete it completely with all the dice you rolled on your turn. Okay. The problem with that is some of your cards have six plus spots, so it's impossible to do that. So <laughs> this is where it gets a little weird because to get cards in the market, you have to get a three of a kind or four of a kind or and or you can mark them off in your cards to finish them. And if you can't do any of them after your third roll, so you're forced to roll three times, thus giving your opponents you know, dice to mark off, mm -hmm. then you can take chance, which chance allows you to only take two of your dice or just take a card off the top. And I think this is where it kind of screwed me over. I could never get, for the life of me, a two or three of a kind. Oh. So I kept getting cards off the top. And they None of them like synergized with mm -hmm. each other. Never, none of them really helped. It was literally the luck of the draw. Yeah, that's why I said <laughs> it was a little luck. A little luck driven. So um, I like the idea of the bonus cards kind of mitigating some of the dice stuff. But even then, you have to get a little lucky to even complete those cards off. And... It just ended up being all really too luck-driven for me. They're, yeah. It just kind of came down to dice rolls. Well, the, that's why you don't like rolling rights to begin with. The luck, right? Uh, no, I just thought rolling rights were kind of boring to begin oh, with. But I, you know, I actually really enjoy them. Um, Gonshan Clever is luck-based, kind of, but there's still a little strategy right? on what you take. Yeah. With this, if you don't get the dice and can't fill out your card, not only did you give your opponents two dice for free because you had to re-roll them, but then you only get two dice. Mm -hmm. um, or if you need a new card, you're trying to get that three of a, three of a kind, you just can't get three of a kind. Mm -hmm. You just have to take one off the top, even though that one three of a kind really, really would have helped. Um, yeah. Too much random. And I really like the idea of the bonus cards mitigating some of that, but you still have to complete the card to do it, mm -hmm. which kind of, I don't know. It was okay. I think I need to play again. It wasn't because I got 18 points. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> right. I, I do need to play it again, though. <laughs> uh, I still might buy it because $17 for that is still a decent game. And there's still fun to be had. And I, yeah. I think this would be a good game still to introduce. To it's, it's, a, 
it's a decent role, right? Still, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure it's like super unique to make it stand out, but I think it's still somewhat unique, different than most rolling rights out there right now that yeah. it's still a good one to have in the library. So anyway, that was Divi Dice. Um, comes out two weeks, September or something, September 15th, September 18th, something like that. Um, Did you pre-order it? No, not yet. Um, I'll, I'll wait. It's not going to be one that's going to go out of stock, but that's Divi, D-I-V-V-Y, Dice. So by Stronghold, right. I think is publishing it. Check it out. But that was a game I played that's coming out here recently. Interesting. So, want to talk about the third game? Yeah. So, I'm going like, to talk about Pendulum. Hashtag Sam Timers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> if if you don't know, you're not listening. Emily's a big fan of the Sam Timers. I think there's an episode just called Sam Timers. Go check it out a few episodes ago. Emily really it's likes It's a heated debate in the gaming community. I guess. Which is really funny, because after playing this, <laughs> it's... It's so... Well, yeah. Well, let's okay. So, so Emily, let's talk about Pendulum here. Then, so Pendulum new games just came out from Stonemaier Games. I think the street date was this last week. Street date is that what it's called? Well, that's the day it's it's opened up. Everybody (laughs) on Um, the streets. We did get it early because we pre-ordered it, and (laughs) we're we're Stonemaier game champions. But we did have to pay for it. Yes, we are. Um. Anyway, we did we did get a, a week early. So Pendulum is a real-time worker placement game. So a real-time game would be something where it's happening real-time. Things are happening simultaneous. Nobody's having turns. Things are just happening all at the same time for a given amount of time. There is a phase ever between, you know, stuck between each of the real-time phases where um, it is not in real-time. You, you go through a list of actions, kind of reset some things. And then go, but what the, What those will only take, what, two minutes, maybe? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you go on the real time. Even the real time thing could minimum be nine minutes, sometimes yeah. upwards of 15. So we're talking small, small bursts of real time action here. But it's basically the game over multiple phases. Whoever has the most victory points wins, um, kind of. So the object of this game really is you're using these workers to gain various different resources while trying to advance your victory track. So... There's four different victory tracks. There's one was legendary activity. Is that what it's called? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's yes. what it's called. And there's yes. literally only one. There's one only spot. one progress. Um, because <laughs> you only have one legendary. Because then you become legendary. You only do one legendary activity, I guess, in your whole life. Um, <laughs> uh, and then there's three other. There's three other tracks, and they all have names. I think it's like what is it like military and military. Uh oh gosh. It's something different. It's, it's not fame, but it's uh I don't know. It really doesn't matter actually. It uh, doesn't matter, but they are kind of unique names. They are unique and they have unique I can see the icon. I know what the icon looks yes. like. It doesn't necessarily matter. Um so every person has a character it's and like ha- influence or something like that. I don't even know. Something like that. Um and each person has a character and all the characters are actually it's a little asymmetric where each character has different lengths of the track. So I think yours, when we played, were all even, weren't Mine they? Mine were all equal, but we're, I'm the only, I was the only character that had equal tracks. And mine was like lopsided in one, but each character starts with these. They're basically action cards. Again, they call it something weird. Pretty much everything in this game had a weird name for it. What were they called, those cards that we had? Eternity Later Stratagem Cards. That's what 
I never would have remembered that. <laughs> I told you there's weird words for everything. Stratagem cards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at the game, but that's what they're called, stratagem cards. That's why I couldn't Really think- intense. That's why I couldn't that's why I couldn't remember what the name of it was. Oh, it's prestige, by the way. It's power, prestige, and popularity. And oh. it is a legendary achievement. Anyway, sorry about that. I looked up the rule books. It's going to be legend. And I hope <laughs> never mind. I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the last part is dairy. Okay, so <laughs> way off track. Okay, so but each character has different stratagem cards that kind of I, I think they kind of balance out what Yeah, they work with your tracks. They definitely do. So everything's a little different, which is kind of cool. So right at the ba- uh, box, everything's asymmetric. And then there's even an advanced side for each character, which makes it even more asymmetric, where it changes um, it changes your board further, like your action slots, uh, even further than, or your production, sorry. They change your production slots even differently than the other players. Um, so it's kind of unique. So every time you play, it could be a little different. But uh, basically, there's a main board that's uh, broken up into four sections, and each of the sections have a top and a bottom section. And they they basically have the exact same actions for the top and bottom section in each of the four sections. I know this is getting confusing if you can't picture it, but bear with me here. Uh, It seems really confusing at first. Yes, and even looking at the board is a little confusing. But each of the four areas, um, actually, it's technically three areas but each of the three areas are kind of you're they're themed uniquely to the the rewards or the resources you're gaining i guess there is a fourth air there's is there three areas there's three areas and then the resources or the resource cards oh yeah the provinces provinces (laughs) again uh wow we're really off track i'm doing a fantastic job explaining this sorry i apologize anyway so it's hard to explain so yeah there's all those sections with the top and bottom the top and bottom in each section uh are are the same and each section's kind of themed so there's the green the blue and the and the black and essentially on the on the real-time portion, you're going to be taking your workers and you're going to be placing them on these rows. Now, these rows, one of the rows, the top or bottom in each section, will have a sand timer next to it. So if it has a sand timer next to it, you cannot place a worker in that row. You have to place it on the row that does not have a sand timer. If you happen to have a worker on a row with a sand timer because the sand timer is moved from top to bottom or back and forth then you can actually move the worker down and take the action. Now, there's a cost associated that can be different on each section, but then you take the action, which is usually getting resources or advancing your achievement track. It might be getting a card, like a province or something like that. And then you, you, your worker stays there. You, you're not able to move them off that space until the timer moves off of it. And basically, that's the that's the real-time aspect of it. So this is where the sand timer stuff was a little different than I thought of when I initially played it. So the sand timers on each row is going. And each of the three sections, the timer is different. I think it's like 20... There, there are a lot no, different. It's like three minutes, two minutes, and 45 seconds. Yeah, three, two, and forty-five. Yeah, wow, good. Remembered that. Thank you very much. (laughs) So they're three, two minute, and forty-five seconds. 
I'll cut out the part it's like where the Emily had it right. Forty-five seconds. Oh, of it my is. Life. Long. But then once it gets going, it's the fastest forty-five seconds. But what I really thought was unique with this is during the real time part. If any of the timers go out, any of the players can flip the timer, and when you flip it, you move it from the to the row that it's not there. So either from the top to the bottom or the bottom to the top section. And that then unlocks workers that allow you to take them, take the actions, or place them there. But the cool thing is, with this is my problem with sand timer games, is when there's a sand timer, I feel like somebody has to be watching it. You know, usually a sand timer is like a party game. I'm thinking like categories. Well, everybody's involved in categories writing and but who's going to be watching the timer to right. say stop? Well, it's going to be somebody, but then if they're watching, then they're distracted. They're missing out, yeah, on their Yeah, card. and so other it's yeah, it's in your incentive not to watch it, but then you can't just let it keep going. Anyway, that's the internal struggle I have with sand timers. But this is <laughs> this is not the case in this game. And that's what I think is unique. The sand timer can go out and that's okay. Technically, you just leave it there. It's in, it's incentivized for somebody to move it though, because the move or it, it's incentivized to not move it or move it because the other person wants right. to keep it there. Yes, the buy time. So it's kind of unique because you, again, you can only place workers where the sand timer row is not, and you can only activate workers where the sand timer is. So we're doing it in real time and trying to move workers around, and maybe I want to slip in a worker from green timer, which just has like 10 seconds left, into the purple, which might be expiring at the same time. I might wait till the green flips so I can quickly grab my worker, throw it in the purple, and then flip the purple over. Um... And wait three minutes. And then wait three <laughs> minutes, go off and do something else for three minutes. Um, so th- I really like that. You don't have to worry about the sand timers, but if you have nothing to do and you're waiting on that black sand timer, because that's where you get all your, your gold resources. I don't think there was a time that black timer right. when we were playing it ever yes. sat there empty. Yeah. So it's very unique. Very mm-hmm. unique. Um, yeah. I've never seen a game like this before. So I, I guess I don't understand the people's complaints about sand timers. I think it's because they just want to complain about sand timers. I think it's also because a lot of people just, for some reason, don't like Stonemire. Yeah, there's people that just don't like Stonemire, and so they're going to complain about yeah. it, not give it a fair shake. But regardless of those people, I, when I when I those heard sand people. timers, <laughs> when I heard sand timers, I just thought. Oh, you're going to have to sit there and somebody's going to have to flip it. Right. Yes. Yeah. You, you don't have to do it. That was what the surprising part about it. But anyway, this just goes on for multiple rounds with the council phase in between where you, one of the resources you get are votes. Then you can use your votes to give. Well, you get privilege. You can claim privilege in this game. Again, everything has a name. Uh, to have the highest privilege, which gives you more resources. And if there's ever ties, you claim your privilege over somebody, which is actually kind of fun to do. Um, but, oh, my. <laughs> um, but anyway, the game just go- goes on and goes on like this until uh game ends and you see who has the most victory point. Well, you don't actually see who has the most victory points. You see who can actually get their victory points into the parchment area. There's like a achievement yeah. level. And if you're able to do I, all that, you're guaranteed to win unless was, somebody else did. I would say two flips of a sand timer away from getting a lot of points and you ended the game. Yeah, so the the long one, the I purple was one. So mad. That she was. Okay, we've been playing games a while. While I don't think I've seen Emily get this looked up in a game. Well, okay, this is a very intense game. Like it's not a fluff game. 
and I just lose it by two flips of a sand timer. So the three-minute timer, when it flips over and back, um, it tracks how many times. I think there's four times I can flip before the council phase starts. That's the not real time. Once that fourth one flips, you keep playing, but all the other timers are, are frozen. They can't be flipped. So Emily's sitting here with the purple out of sand, not wanting to flip it because it would freeze the timers because she's trying to milk the black and the green section. (laughs) And at this point, I'm ahead. Uh, I already got what I needed. So I flipped the purple one just after she placed all her people thinking she was going to be able to do it and then realized, oh, I can't flip the green to take those actions. I wasn't necessarily paying attention to his tracker because... Oh, I got, yeah. I'm, I was focused on my turn. Oh, yeah. I, I achieved my tracker and, and, uh, into that parchment area on all the tracks. I look over. Her, she doesn't have them in there. Yeah, I'm ending the game because I, I have the win. Yeah, we need to play again. <laughs> I am not satisfied <laughs> with my game. Um, I did like it way more than I thought it would. Than I thought I would. Yeah. Yeah. No, two players was okay. I think a five player game would be absolute chaos, and I would love it. I think Corey would really like this game. I think so, too. Um, It's definitely a game where it, it's going to be like Gizmos. There's going to be a learning curve that yeah. if you're playing against somebody who knows you're playing how to do it, and you're playing as a new person, the learning curve there is going to play out, and the person who's who knows it is going yeah. to just stomp people. When you first start playing, it's like any other type of game where there's so, so many options. Right. Pretty much like any other Stonemaier games, there's so many options. You're like, my where advice, where to some, start. My advice to someone playing this game for the first time is look at your character cards, whatever they're called. What stratagem. Are they? Stratagem cards. <laughs> look to see what color of track is in there, and that is the track you want to focus on. For the game. That's true, because blue was purple. Because whatever, that was character my is designed to go for that color. Yeah. And I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so learn from my mistakes. That's one of the many. Not to mention you should have been getting province cards earlier on. So there's these province yeah. cards you can gain too, and they enhance your production area. Yeah. The production area. So when you right. produce, you not only produce what's- I got what's- some though, but I didn't get enough. Right. And I didn't get all of my workers. I should have got them earlier Early, on in the game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, having um four workers opposed to two is Right. Holy cow. And, Not to mention those right. grande workers. Yes. So they have Stonemeyer gr- loves the grande <laughs> Stomeyer, workers. Those grande workers. <laughs> the grande workers allow you to place in a spot that somebody else already is in, which is really tough too, because you have your regular workers and they're in there and you if you only have a regular worker you can't place it. You're blocked by other people. And so those grande, grande workers really, really come into handy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I I actually like this more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, me too. Um, I think this would be a fun to play with four or five players. Yeah. Just absolute chaos, but it could be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, one, this was the gonna- other review that we've watched from tom vassal that he didn't really like it yeah so one of his thing was was saying so the 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 game designer has some notes in here saying okay yes it's real time but 
you don't necessarily have to be the fastest to win. That, in right. fact, being the most efficient, taking time to figure out what you're going to do next is more important than just being scattered and going all mm-hmm. over the place and trying to be as fast as you can. The beat, kind of like beat the buzzer, right. if you will. Beat the clock. And that's kind of what the designer says throughout the game. They have little designer notes and kind of hints um, and strategies and, and references. I think Vassal said that, yeah, they said that, but that's not true. Um, maybe in a five-player game, but at, at the same time, a five-player game, there's way, way more spots open on the board because it's two-sided. I don't know. There was very few times where I felt like I had to, quote-unquote, beat the clock, yeah. if you will. Sometimes being fast helped, maybe, but a lot of times it there was rare times that Emily ever like blocked me that I felt blocked. I guess I could see that. It did feel hectic at times though. It that, did. that was fun. But I liked it. I liked that we were taking our turns at the same time. That yeah. there's not a lot of downtime in this game, which I really like. You're not sitting there trying to watch someone else figure out what they're gonna do mm-hmm. <laughs> forever. You're completely right. You're completely right. No AP here. If you have AP, you're, you're going not to lose this game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Though, before we move on here, just the final thoughts here. Um. I did think it was interesting though. By the second or third round, your feel for the time mm-hmm. came in like was in sync. Yes. By the end, I just knew. Okay, black timer, black timer, yeah, black timer, right. black timer. Like, okay, green. We kind of just timer. figured out you just always gonna have people moving back and forth on the black timer, constantly. Yeah, we were loading up on the purple and green, and then sitting there, nothing to do. And then after that, oh, we don't have enough gold. Where do we get gold? Oh, the black area is giving mm-hmm. us gold. The black area is giving us province cards. You're like, okay, so. By the second or third round, we just had people flowing back up and down, up and down, up and down, constantly on the black area to prep for then when green and purple were done. And by the end, you just get into that flow. You know mm-hmm. exactly what you're doing, where things are, what to do. And it was kind of interesting. You just get into this, just, I don't know, a flow. It was really kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Post that first round, we're like, uh, what do we do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Interesting. There, there is like a non-timed version where there's this timer board that's static and you move the timer based on other triggers. You can do that, but I really, the Lame. I think the bread and butter here is going to be the real time that it's makes the, it unique. That's the sand timers that makes the game. It is. Um, it probably is. the best use of a sand timer in a game yet. Yes. Yeah. Very, very unique in how it uses it. Very cool. Yeah. Um, overall, I really enjoyed this game. I really liked it. I liked. There's a lot of variability in this with the different character sides that, you know, the advance and not, and the customization with the cards for each of the characters, which is going to make it a little different asymmetric, but give you a different playing experience every, every time to kind of figure out how that player is going to play or how you need to focus on it, because they're going to have an advantage, but also have a disadvantage, and you have to figure out how that's going to work and how to play it on the board, because you're... The other player is going to be doing something a little different, which I I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overall, you enjoyed it? Not enjoyed it? I did enjoy it. I know I would enjoy it the next time I play it more because I know what I'm doing. Yep. And I know that you won't end the game too early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> 
All right, Emily. Okay, well, <laughs> we've talked uh, quite a while on these games yes. here. So uh, any anything else you want to talk about before we take off here? I don't think so. Hopefully we get more games in this week. Yeah. So if any of those games sound interesting, check it out on Board Game Geek. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say Pendulum is probably not necessarily a lighter game. No, it is not a gateway game. <laughs> not a lighter game, but it's not a heavy game. It's just something different, real time. Just a unique game. Yes. Uh, Divi Dice, uh, I would say, is a, a decent, solid roll and write game. Something a little different to pull out. Not too expensive. Worth mm-hmm. tr- checking out. Yeah. And then uh, Gizmos, two thumbs up. Highly recommend. Um, good family game, I would say. May or may not be Brian's favorite engine <laughs> building game. I, I would say the only <laughs> thing against it, it's a four-player game. It'd be kind of nice if it could have been five players. Um, I think that would have been more accessible to family. Five players are, I don't know, that jump from four to five players kind of makes games a little wonky with uh, with uh, balancing and stuff like that. Though. I don't know if we'll ever have a five-player game again, ever. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. But at this point. <laughs> I was just talking in general for family At games. this point in a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. oh, in yeah. 2020. To get anybody else to play. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. But hopefully your guys are getting games in. Hopefully one of those three games interest you, interested you, if not all of them. Um, yeah. Hopefully if you are a parent sending your child back to school right now, you've made it through. <laughs> you've survived. <laughs> yes. Congratulations on one week. Congratulations. You've survived the longest spring break in history. <laughs> what was that? How many days of spring break was it? It was 169 days. Of spring break. <laughs> okay, why couldn't this stuff have happened when we were in school? I know, what in the world? Because <laughs> <laughs> we still had to work. <laughs> well, I mean, some of us had to work. Yeah. I, I give her a time. All right, well, we do appreciate you listening. That's where yes. we're going to end it here today. If you have any feedback, comments, or suggestions feel free to reach out to us. Our social media and our contact information is at the end of the podcast. Hope uh, everybody had a wonderful week. We will be back next week with episode 70, where Chris and I will be talking about the games we've played for the last week or two. But until next time, from the games we play, I am Brian. And I'm Emily. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod. And at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.